Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Special Miss Burnham. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. And hello, welcome back to the newest and latest episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman. Now hear this. And today we have with us Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, We just watched episode 115, the last episode of season one of Star Trek Discovery. And let me tell you, it ends, it is a closed loop. Or at least it seemed that way. Yes, absolutely. I I feel the same way. If you uh, were to have, if your stream of CBS All Access was to have been cut off 60 seconds before the end of this episode, it would be like that was, everything's tidy and neat, and uh, the character arcs are perfect, and everybody's where they're supposed to be, but then trouble brews, and something comes in, and it's a big deal. And um, should we be the types of people who uh, eat their dessert before they have their dinner? Yeah, we've done it before. Why? How, how do you how do you not address the elephant in the room? <laughs> <laughs> That's the elephant coughing. <laughs> Brian, can you eat your pudding if you don't eat your meat? Uh, is, is it gourmandander week? <laughs> it's a dead whale, it's a space whale. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's say red alert. No, let's say black alert. Black alert. <laughs> black alert. Holy smokes. Let's talk. Uh, let's ignore the first. If the episode was 47 minutes, let's ignore the first 46 and just talk about <laughs> the last minute of the show. Everything's going smoothly. And then they're zooming away at warp speed to Vulcan. I'm talking now about our crew of Discovery. And they say, uh-oh, we've got a hailing frequency. What's this all about? And it's the, it's the Enterprise. And we, before we even saw it, we saw the NCC, like on the, um, on the, the display. Yes. From uh, either Ensign Reese or Ensign Bryce. <laughs> One of those two. That's Bryce. That's Bryce? I okay. think. No, we don't know. 
We don't know, but I love that. I'm starting to really care for those people. Like I, I, am, lo- yes. I love. I know their faces. I just don't know which face goes where. Well, those are the only two of those names I, I, I get confused. Everybody else, I, I got down. I got, got Detmer down. I got Osakun down. Yeah. I got Arium down. Yeah. But Bryson Reese, why do they got to sound so similar? <laughs> <laughs> um, NCC, we know what that means. That means the enterprise is here. Now, look. What? Be honest. Now, we're in the honesty of this podcast. What was your initial reaction? What what did did you have a physical reaction when you saw this? Yes, I did. I, I watched this very 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 early in the morning, um, and I did have a physical reaction to the point where uh, my wife shut a door. <laughs> wow! You woke the baby with your screams. Uh, no, he stayed asleep, thankfully. But <laughs> but but yes, um, it, it was it was pretty exciting. I think um, I. I was kind of dumbfounded at first. I mean, it's like I didn't ex- I didn't expect that we would actually see this. I think that reading the uh, the, the prequel novel definitely kind of set the stage for it. Yeah. But I imagine that someone who hasn't read the novel yet, which they should. Yeah. Uh, it's very shocking. Yeah. Seeing the Enterprise, I feel like obviously it's cool. Like it's oh my god, it's the Enterprise, it's back. But I also feel, and I have. The whole off season to sort of grapple with this is that Discovery has taken such pains to identify itself separate from the Enterprise. And I'm not talking about ship design and costumes and what the Klingon foreheads look like. I just mean like it's been very clear that, yes, this is set 10 years prior and yes, there we've already had crossover characters. We've had Sarek and Amanda. We had we had Harry Mudd. But we don't need the Enterprise. We can stand on our own two feet. And I think when we get to the second part of the show where we actually talk about the meat of this episode and the and the whole first season in general, I feel like season one of Discovery is a big win. I think it's achieved everything that it needed to achieve. And these characters, I love them for who they are. And I weep with Stamets as Culber dies. And I cheer with joy as Michael Burnham uh, receives her um, uh, uh, when her record gets cleared, and I laugh with Tilly, and I uh, cowl in fear with Tyler. You know all of these emotions I feel, um, and then the Enterprise comes, and part of me is like, "Yes, the Enterprise is my best friend," but I didn't think it was coming to this party, and now I have to reassess a little bit. You know, but luckily we have the entire off season, which is going to be God knows how many months. To well, figure out what they're going to do. I think the first question is, is that do they cast those characters or is this a literally like a little cameo and then maybe the ship disappears and then that's what the whole season's about. What happened to the Enterprise? I don't know. Where did that go? We have a lot. I mean, obviously, if they let's ca- use Let's use the spore drive to follow it. <laughs> let's keep Captain Saru. There's so much that they could do with this. I mean, obvi- you know, the, the sort of the Occam's razor is... They just re- they're receiving a, 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 um, a distress signal from Captain Pike, so eventually they're going to meet Captain Pike. And on Captain Pike's ship, obviously, is Pike. There's number one, Commander Una, she's called, and there's the uh, the yeoman with the blonde with the red hair, and of course there's Spock. And Spock and Burnham are uh, step siblings, so that's a big deal, and that's a big way to go. But from a real world point of view. We in the Star Trek fandom 
have recently undergone the trauma of recasting a Spock already. And we came away with it unscathed. I think you go down the list of the recasting of every member of the Enterprise bridge crew, and they they knocked it out of the park. I mean, if you find somebody who really claims they dislike the Kelvin timeline, you can still point to them and say, but you like the cast, right? And they go, yeah, they're all pretty good. Chris Pine, Zach Quinto, John Cho, Zoe Saldana, Simon Pegg, Anton Yelchin, rest in peace. Who did I forget? Uh, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Bones. Oh, my God. Carl Urban. My buddy. We hung out on the cruise. He, and he might be my favorite one of the that cast I know. as well. And then I saw him the next day uh, at the cruise, and I said goodbye to him, and he looked at me like he'd never seen me before. But... <laughs> <laughs> You know, we haven't really talked. We're doing a whole cruise episode. Is this, is this, am I allowed to say what I'm, I guess I was never told not to say what I'm about to say. Okay. Carl Urban was on the Star Trek cruise. And when you go on the Star Trek cruise, you can bring a plus one, especially if you're a star. So do you know who Carl Urban brought on the Star Trek cruise? No, I don't. Am I not allowed to say this? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who it is. Do you know who Carl Urban is dating? I do not. I didn't know this until recently either. It's not a secret. They are out and proud. Carl Urban is dating Katie Sackhoff. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's that's a that's, sci-fi royalty it right really there. Really is. They met on the set of uh, Riddick Three, <laughs> I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is a movie that I and still never saw. I, I, you know what? I heard it wasn't I, very good. I, I have seen it. Um, and they do not even share a scene, if I'm not mistaken. He's hey, in it for like five seconds. When you have that much charisma, you don't need to be on very scene true. together. Um, she did not. Uh, they did not make it announced. Like you know, uh, uh, for example, some of the other. Um, cast members that were on the cruise, like their spouses, are you know Star Trek adjacent. For example, um, uh, Armin Shimmerman's wife, Kitty Swink, has played you know bit parts and she she had small roles in Trek over mm-hmm. the years, so she's known and she goes to the conventions a lot. So when she was there, it was like, hey, it's Armin and his wife Kitty, and so that's part. But they didn't really talk about Katie Sackhoff being on the ship. Interesting. And, and somebody even said, do you think Katie Sackhoff's here? And I'm like, I don't know, because at the time I really didn't. And then on the last day as we were leaving, I did see her. Wow. And, and it's not like she got helicoptered in like uh, Jonathan Frakes did. Well, they kind of did, actually. It's a whole story. Really? But, you know, okay. let, well, this, is, this is, we're getting, as usual. <laughs> we're getting way off topic. We're so off topic, man. I just want to say, by the way, so we just watched episode 115. And you and I watched it uh, on... Uh, on uh, with the the gang at After Trek. Yes, we finally met our friends that produced the show After Trek, which was great. They had us as guests. We sat there. We um, if we were quicker, we would have had a nice lunch with them. Yes, <laughs> we were too slow. We went to grab food, and then they're like, "Oh, well, you want to go wait up in the room?" Yeah, uh, we came, yeah. We came back, I, I and all, all the chicken was gone. There was a beautiful, beautiful spread. And what's funny was Matt Myra. Um, He's like, you missed the lunch, didn't you? And I'm like, what, did you hear me shout? He's like, I can see the disappointment on your face. <laughs> <laughs> that is good chicken. I, I've had that chicken before from places yeah. nearby here, and yeah. it is good. Yeah, we missed the chicken. All right, so the point I'm making is um, I just want to set you up for next week's show, which is already in the can, as we say in the podcast biz. Yes. We had a great sit down with Michael Burnham herself, Sonequa Martin-Green, with uh, Paul Stamets, 
uh, Anthony Rapp. And we also, separate from that, chatted with Matt Myra for a very long time. And a lot of what we did with with Matt was sort of uh, spitball what the heck is going to happen with season two and casting. So you know what? Tune in next week because I give my theory and Matt shoots me down and tells <laughs> me that that's never going to happen. But it is something to think about. But that last shot in this episode, it is the Enterprise. Ah, and you see it swoop in, and then it cuts to black, and it plays the old-timey music. It, it, that was a nice touch. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a really nice thank you. That was a nice sort of smooch from current Discovery to original series. But aside from all that, everything else in this episode was a nice callback to the pilot, the two-part pilot. Yes. It really does wrap up a lot of the emotional stuff and the character arc, and there are even some scenes that are direct mirrors of one another. Like, for example, Michael Burnham telling Admiral Cornwell, no, you cannot destroy the Klingons. We have to find a diplomatic solution, is the exact mirror reflection, if you will, of what happens with the Vulcan hello, of her not talking to her superiors and instead taking action and taking a belligerent action and attacking the Klingons, which we've talked about on this show a lot. It was at the right it was at the right thing to do, was it the wrong thing to do? You know, it's not the Starfleet way. And here she is now, fifteen episodes later, having sort of achieved her final form of federation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's very, very nice. It's really, it's really well done. So um it's really cool. And then and then you think it's all wrapped up. And then the Enterprise shows up and you hear the music. And then, of course, you just it, it's a great way to get people excited for having to wait X amount of months for the next episode. Because who the hell knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I have two theories. One, The one I already mentioned, that they're just a blip. Is this a BWT? Is this a yes. Brian Wacky theory? This is a Brian Wacky theory. Yeah. So either that, either that it, it just is a blip. And it something happens to the Enterprise, it disappears, they don't know what happened, and the whole the whole start of the show is about looking for the Enterprise. And we don't actually get that shot. We don't actually get to see those characters. So we way. never have to see a new Pike? Possibly. Okay. But at the same time, uh, one of the first things I thought of was that uh, our friend Ted Sullivan, yes. is, is a executive producer on the co executive producer on the show, has has worked on the Supergirl T V show. Yes yes he has, yeah. And what major character in the Supergirl world do they have on that show, but only sometimes? Superman. Exactly. So maybe it's sort of taking a borrowed idea from that, that he'll be like a like a side character that will come in every so often. Uh, and I think that could be a cool look. I mean, so e- either way, I, I, I'm I'm interested. It's 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 interesting. The 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 thing that kind of is. Um, it, it's it's funny. You can look at it two ways. Number one, having the Enterprise back and having those characters. And even though it's not Kirk, Spock, Bones, it's just Spock and Pike and whatever. It's a little bit neutered by the fact that we've had the Kelvin timeline. And Pike was a big deal in the Kelvin yes. timeline. Uh, Christopher. Um, Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood. Thank you. Christopher Bruce Greenwood. Yes. <laughs> Bruce Greenwood is. <coughs> is dynamite. So it's a little bit kneecapped in that it's not that big of a deal to bring him back. 
Uh, so it's a little bit of a diminishment, but it's also like we've done it before. We can do it again. Like we as fans can survive. You know, think think not of Pike as one actor. Think of think of these characters as like Shakespearean characters. Yeah. Like how many people have played King Lear? Yeah. <laughs> in <Okay>. the centuries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, countless. That's how many should be playing Captain Christopher Pike. You know, he's he's that important of a character. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like the fear factor of recasting a Spock. Thou shalt never do this. Is it really? Hey, we did it. We survived. We got Zach Quinto. He's pretty cool. So let's do it again. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. But before, um, you know, before we get to it, we're going to have a lot of time. Um, and I don't want to give too much short shrift to all the awesome things that happened in this final episode, which I did think was a nice, strong wrap up. Not everything about it worked 100%. There's one, I feel like the stuff with Lorel gets a little bit like, it all wrapped up a little too quickly. But yes, I agree. Um, I did feel that the week prior, as we talked, was maybe not the week, maybe not the strongest episode. And clearly it was an in-betweener between the death of Mira Lorca and setting up this conflict on Kronos. I almost feel like this should have been a two-part finale. I think that would have served it better, just like the the uh, premiere did. Oh, right! Just had it had just kind of blasted out fourteen and fifteen at yep. once. Um, that's pre-streaming thinking. I mean, yeah. most people are going to binge this. And remember, last week was during the Super Bowl. That is so nobody a good watched point. it anyway. That is a good point. Okay, <laughs> I mean, people watched it, but they didn't yes. watch it at the time. Yes, you know, okay. and that's a great forth forethought for them to line that yes. up. <laughs> I'm almost surprised they didn't skip a week. Well, it's streaming. You don't have to. Yeah, you know that's the whole watch point. Right after you could do it. You could oh, do but you can watch, either watch Discovery or you can watch watch the the Cloverfield movie. God, drop. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. It's terrible. No. It's terrible. I, I've heard. I've heard. It's awful. You can read my review at VanityFair.com. <laughs> I stayed. Um, I oh no no I didn't review for Vanity Fair. I'm sorry. I reviewed it for Thrilllist.com, ah. and I um was just hanging out. It was Super Bowl day. I wasn't doing anything specifically. I wasn't making nachos or anything. And I got a ping from my editor at uh, Thrillist.com, and he's like, I think they're going to dump Cloverfield tonight. First of all, Cloverfield was called the God Particle up until a week ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. God Particle is, thrill- is, is, is Cloverfield 3. Okay, cool. I think they're going to show it the minute <laughs> the, the Super Bowl is over. Oh, wow, that's kind of exciting. You want to review it? Sure. And I was excited. I was actually going, when the hell is this game going to end? I want to see the new Cloverfield movie, because I love the first one, and I love the second one especially. Yeah, the second one was good too, yeah. Really, really good. This stunk. What a stinker, I tell you. So, um, but this episode, number 115, um, has a lot that's going on in it. Uh, it's got Clint Howard. <laughs> great, great chemistry. As a, as a drug-dealing Orion. <laughs> they shoot all the Orions in a weird low lighting, so they don't look that green. They just kind of look really white. I guess it depends on how you have your TV. But it looks at times really white and kind of shimmery. Yes, I, it, it was a little. The Orions were a little strange. I, I feel like the the makeup for all the other races has been very good. Yeah, but it, it looked a little, like a little bit like it was green face paint. I feel like it was the lighting of this room. Yeah, like I, there was like one shot when they first get down to Kronos and they're in the Orion zone. What do they call it? The Orion Embassy or whatever. Uh, they call it the Embassy zone. I don't remember what they call it. The, the, the Outpost. 
Orion O-town. Post. O-Town. Okay. <laughs> hanging out in O-Town. So they're hanging out in O-Town, and they get there, and the first Orion they meet in the street, she looked pretty great. You only saw her face. You know, she was wearing a cool leather jacket. The one they sold the guns to? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Nausicaan Pistols, which was another nice callback. Uh, Actually, just... just um, Georgiou uh, commenting on that that Lorca must have accumulated some yeah, some things. That was like, great. That was a nice callback too. Really, that was great. I was thinking, what are they going to do? Bring the Gorn skeleton down there? <laughs> like, what what is that going to be? Um, so they the the yeah. So the 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 Orions were nifty, and then they got the kind of the strip and Orions. Another callback to the cage. Really, when you first saw Vina. Dancing, um, classic, you know, the green girl, Orion, slave girl. Uh, but this was a slave boy and a slave girl, which was a nice touch. Couldn't quite tell whose rear end we were looking at. Uh, yes, there th- were a lot of those. There were a lot of rear ends, a lot of thong, <laughs> thong underwear. And um, uh, if it was the man, I couldn't tell. He uh, certainly does a nice shave job <laughs> because he was a very sleek, smooth young man. Um, and then... Uh, but then I think Clint Howard was probably was probably my favorite bit, and that and all the Tilly stuff was really funny. I thought, you know, T- you got- Tilly was again great. Um, and and I, I just had to say, it just going from introduction to Tilly, which I was, if you go back and listen, I was a liffy on because it was a little jarring. Her, I thought at first, I said that. I I absolutely love Tilly. Yeah, she's I cannot so imagine fun. the show without Tilly. No, no, yeah, I think on the first episode, you when she first showed up, episode three, you might have been a little bit like. Oh, she's too much from our world, or you know, people on Star Trek don't act like that. She's all twitchy. She's got you know, she's a nervous energy. She, uh, first of all, the performance is just hilarious. Now we we watched it uh, today with the After Trek studio audience. Yes, which we should let listeners know are like they they pack the house. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> come to After Trek to watch this thing. I'm kidding. It's a very small group of people. It's it's in a very small um uh theater. You know, if you ever if you ever go to a TV taping, it's you know, you you're always like this is the this is the set. It's so small. I mean, it, it's it's a classic one of those situations. Um but we did watch it beforehand with the group of people that were there. And um was great for me and, and for you, I think, because we've both seen the episode before. I watched it last night. You watched it this morning. And um, I was kind of watching this group of three young girls that were on, on the couch. And as soon as Tilly showed up, they got, like, really excited. They, and they had a lot of uh, very uh, animated reactions. Yes, animated reactions. Which to, is good. It was great. This is exactly what, exactly what they want. I mean, I'm sure Mary Wiseman would have been thrilled to see this. I mean, as soon as she came in the room, they perked up. Uh, her hair was different. They were excited. And then Tilly does this when she realizes that Georgiou is not who she is, uh, that she's mirror Georgiou. Um, it's like not even a full sentence what she says. She's just like, ah, you're. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're not her. You're not her. Yeah, it's really funny comic timing. I'm, I would be really curious to know what is actually in the script, because when it finally gets to Mary. She's not even speaking full sentences. She's just kind of like, just sort of making faces and pointing, and that's great. That's great directing. That's great acting. That's some. That's knowing the character and letting it, you know, letting it fly. You know, it's really funny stuff. When she does the half-assed mirror universe salute, <laughs> don't then, do that. Yeah, Bert, I was like, don't do that. 
That was really, really, really clever stuff. And the type of... I mean, Star Trek's always had humor, but it's never been like because the the humans are like uh i got like it's always been you know like from the early days spock and bones would always sort of like try to one up each other and zing one another you know but it when it's tilly kind of being a dope it's just like a different type of humor well, you know it's just, i think i think the humor in this show is much more in line with the kelvin movies yeah yeah i think so which I think is a fine thing to to carry yeah. over from that. Yeah, you know. So, um, gosh, G- uh, gee whiz. So, um, the thing uh, that I wanted to bring up about why did I even get on that topic? I got on that topic because they go to, they go to Kronos, and I like that they had Nausicaan, um pistols. That was a deep cut. Oh, and then the other deep cut. Well, you know, we talk about that next week with the when Tyler is giving um, information about the. Uh, the volcanoes and all yes, that. Yes, yes. Um, so, Brian, why did I bring that up? Well, I mean, I, I just think that uh, Discovery, now that the full season is done, has done a really good job of sort of dotting every I and crossing every T and, and threading the needle between expanding the universe and tying into old canon and old lore. And it's a celebration. So, luckily, this week's um, sponsor is Eagle Moss, which is a company that has sponsored this podcast a few times before. And what Eagle Moss is, is they're a company, a British company, really terrific. And they make officially authorized Star Trek starships. Uh, The Star Trek starships collection are kind of the, if you have a desk with a little bit of space on it, you need to have uh, these die-cut models on your desk. Every model is cast an especially formulated metallic resin and hand-painted with reference to the original CG models used in production and, where they exist, photos of the original studio models. Each ship comes with a display base and a collector's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, design sketches, and a breakdown of technology on board. I've got a few Eagle Moss ships, and they're really nifty. They're not giant, so not taking up your whole life, but they're a really nice sort of, uh, you know, they, they, they were like, a, like a, somewhere between a paperweight and a cup of coffee. That's the size they are. And, well, that's um, good because there's a lot of them. Oh, my God. The full collection, you know, they come once a, they come twice a month when you join, um, but you can keep going and going and going. And it's not just you're getting some piece of junk through the mail. These are very finely made die-cast ships that come with a glossy magazine for each one, and it goes deep. You know, so I mentioned the Nausicaan pistols that uh, arms trader Tilly gives to the Orion before she eats Space Whale. Uh, you know, there's a Nausicaan ship in there. There's a there's a Cardassian ship. There's a Vulcan science vessel. But the first one you get is the Enterprise D, the good old D. And you can start your collection today with the USS Enterprise NCC-1701D for only $4.95 with free shipping. New models ship twice monthly or de- delivered directly to your door. You can cancel your subscription at any time. For details on the entire collection and to order, visit st-starships.com slash engage. st-starships.com slash engage. If I uh, had a bigger apartment, I'd have every single one. But um, I think I need to get some. 
Go to st-starships.com slash engage. You get the first one for four ninety five. dollars You can't beat that. Free shipping. Give it a shot. Um, you don't need to be an arms trader and deal with Clint Howard. So she ma- Clint Howard makes Tilly breathe in volcanic ash, which becomes a great forwarding of the plot. She has a great moment where she's like, I think I may have, and then just, poof, just collapses. <coughs> Her hair looks different again. Tilly's hair is always changing. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I believe you saw a, uh, a number of haircuts <laughs> yeah. that she's had uh, during After Trek. Yeah, recently her hair has really been, been changing a lot. Uh, but she's so funny in this one because um, even though she's been st- she, she is stoned because of Clint Howard, which would happen if you saw him. She's still on on the uh, on the pursuit, right? She's still on in she's the still, game. She's still on it. Yeah. She wakes up as soon as possible. She yells at Clint Howard, but doesn't is not threatened by him. She's like, "Go away!" Or she's like, "Stop that!" Yes. She kind of swats. Like, and uh, his line was also very funny too. Uh, it's like, "What do you expect? I'm Orion." Yeah. What do you want me? <laughs> of to course, do? I'm trying to rob you. <laughs> trying to rob you. And then when she knows that she needs the the cutter, she's like, "Give me that." And then she calls Burnham and she's like, "Look, we're going to we're going to uh, we have to reassess." Now, here's the question. The Cornwall uh was really planning to destroy the Klingon homeworld. Yes. And Sarek did he sign off yes, on it? Yes, he did. He knew. This, um, I believe it was brought originally to Sarek. The, the real plan was brought to Sarek first, who then communicated it to Cornwell. Wow. That's so, a- so, yeah, they're both heavily implicated in this, this plan. Cornwall, I'd buy it because she's, you know, she's human, and, and her planet's about to be destroyed. I guess Vulcan is next. Right, they're well, coming I mean, after all the Federation. I mean, the Klingons. Th- th- from 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 that map. I mean, I, I don't know exactly where all the planets lie, but they they said that, you know, there was a g- good chunk of the the universe that the Klingons were controlling yeah. and attacking. I mean, to say that they've just taken down star bases and no home planets yet is a little, yeah. Um, and, and I guess they were implying that Earth was the only one standing still. But well, I know all their star bases were gone, and yeah, like you say, you know, and and it's and and at the end they said Andor, Telar. It's funny, they never give the Tellarites any any due. I was thinking about this a few weeks ago when they gave Emperor Giorgio her full name and they gave her the list that, like, you know, the the blah, blah, blah of Ter- the uh, Terran Emperor, the High Priestess of Vulcan or whatever, the something-something of Andor, and then they don't say anything about Tellar. <laughs> Tellarites, I mean, the Federation is tell. Tellar, the Tellarites are are one of the main ones, but they never get any respect. I don't think they even got a line all season. No, they just showed up, and at first I barely even knew it was them. Like, I think it's a Tellarite. I don't know, some ugly dude. (laughs) They're the Rodney Dangerfields of the galaxy. They get no respect. They get no respect. (laughs) They get no respect at all. Man, oh, man. So um, it's not drones. They're not mapping military targets they're gonna blow Klingon to bits and Kronos. that's Kronos uh and this is heavy shit certainly 
And um, this is the arc. This is the moment. This is Michael Burnham with her wingman, Saru, and with Saru, this bridge crew. They all stand up. I am Spartacus, every one of them. And they stand up to the to the higher-ups and say, no, we are Starfleet. We're not going to do it. And that's kind of, I think, what this whole season has been about. And Lorca was a diversion, and the Mirror Universe was a diversion, and the Tardigrade and the Spores and all that was all a big rigmarole, you know, story-wise. Like, the most important thing that happened in this season was Burnham going from... I'm going to take action and attack the Klingons to Burnham saying, Admiral, we got to stop this. And there have been hints of that along the way. I mean, Saru's had some good rousing moments, but this was really, I mean, if you could only take one 10 second clip to summarize um, season one, I think that's it. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, you can really, although they say otherwise in the episode, um, you can say that this is really her second chance to get it right. Yeah. She says there are no second chances, but this really is a second chance for her. This is the very same concept that got her in trouble in the first place. Yeah. And she makes the right move this time. Well, we'll see about that. I'm sure there'll be complications down the line, but... Absolutely. (laughs) So what do you think? I mean, the other thing is getting Lorel to the cave and what she says to Lorel. You know, she has to sell Lorel on taking... She's got the big iPad in her hand. This iPad will save you. (laughs) That felt very Captain Kirk to me. Captain Kirk, original series. You know, his back would be against the wall, and he would somehow talk his way out of a problem and convince alien races to work together. You know, he would read the Constitution of the United States and somehow (laughs) get things to work. He would blow up a computer bank and get Imini R7 and their foes to work, work it out. Um, that's really felt old school TOS to me. Burnham at the in that cave talking to Laurel and saying, "Now it's with you." It's like Return of the Archons. You know, we've blown up the the um, whatever the hell the computer was called, um, and now it's up to you. So that part was awesome. But then they because this is a you know this show has been kind of getting its uh, fingernails dirty and really. Going in with all the characters, we follow Lorel. I mean, we like Lorel, sort of. I do like Lorel. I yeah. find her a very intriguing character. <clears throat> I mean, she's always been, you know, her her end goals have always been for the good of her planet. I mean, I guess she does like killing humans, but oh, who doesn't, right? I mean, so <laughs> so um, so then she goes to the heads of the twenty four houses, and like in in just a few seconds, seems to win them over. And that I do say, if I will give a criticism, it felt a little clean, don't you think? It does. Uh, I I do like the idea of it. I, I like them selling Lorel on it. I like her uh, accepting this mantle and this, this burden. This, and you know, I come from no- nothing. Uh, but yeah, they 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 go from laughing at her to her showing an iPad and like, <laughs> oh yeah, okay, we're good. No more you know, those ships that are like five minutes from Earth. Call them back. Yeah, that felt a little clean. It felt like maybe something was missing there. But uh, it, it that has been the pace of of a lot of the the, the show has gone very fast. Yeah, I think uh, especially you know the, the last few episodes in the Mirror Universe. That that I I was when I was giving my wacky theories, I was thinking that we would end the the season 
coming out of the mirror universe. Right, 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 right. So they they've been moving quick. So I mean, I I, I like that. I like the resolution they came to. But yes, the speed at which they came to it was a little suspect. Yeah, yeah, and I also like I understand why story wise, it's cool that Tyler goes with Lorel. I don't really know what his plans are, other than he just feels like a man without a home, and maybe he just wants to get away from uh, Michael because he feels guilty around her or just feels awkward. I mean, you know that they're going to end up together at some point. I think so. I, I, I feel agree. like. They're going to meet up. We have not seen the last of him. No, no. And that's Michael's one true love. So it's going to be fine. But it is a little bit strange um, that I, I didn't I didn't see the twist coming that he would leave. And it didn't feel it didn't. It wasn't one of those resolutions where you're like, well, of course he has to go. I'm like, does he have to go? I don't know. I did think so. I thought yeah. that that it, I don't remember what character said it to him uh, about it, but. Um, the fact that because he is a human brain over a Klingon brain, they they can't have him having sensitive Starfleet information. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, he was he was not going to get reinstated. You know that no, whole ceremony. No, no, yeah, it, it makes sense for Burn to be reinstated, but it does not make sense for Tyler to be reinstated. True. Yeah, he could go back to Earth and work in a restaurant, but he can't. Um, he was not going to. He was not going to work on a star, star uh, ship again. Wow, that's a good point. A Federation starship. No, no, he can haul freight somewhere. A garbage scow. Hmm. Well, I think he'll be doing something more important than that <laughs> when we meet him again, hopefully. I'd be kind of like, oh, yeah, I just I just pick up trash on yeah. Saturdays now. No, he's going to be doing something. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, um, the other great thing about this is you have not one but two different cannibal food jokes <laughs> um it's not technically cannibal because you got to be eating your own kind but there's a nice little zing back and forth between the emperor and saru where fear makes him tough right and and, and then he's does he say uh, pal- be more palatable yes I, th- I think most would find me to be unpalatable yeah saru is not keen on the emperor and then when saru when laurel sees the emperor um I really love this line. Yeah, it's like, hey, we ate you on the sarcophagus ship. And uh, what, what, what did she say? She, like, says, she looks like she needs more seasoning. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, some good zings. So th- th- that was the comedy highlight, that and Tilly stuff. And then the emotional stuff at the end when they're all getting their um, medals, you know, uh, a la Star Wars. Um, and... Uh, Stamets gets a special medal for Culver. Yes. Which uh That was a nice touch. It was a nice touch. It looked like they were gonna give medals to everybody because like the rest of the gang is up there, but they didn't mention their names. No, they, well they they can only they were doing the flashes between the speeches. Yes. So I mean <laughs> they had to cut it up. Edited for time. Yes. Edited for time. But uh, you know, they gave Tilly's full name, reminding me again that her name is Sylvia. And then they go to Saru, and he's just Saru. He's got no middle name. He's got no first name. Maybe it is. He's, maybe this is all he's got. It's just the one name. So I don't know. I was hoping we get to know what his first name was. When I saw that everybody else was getting their full name, I got excited for a second. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, there's, there's obviously a, an entire planet of Kelpians. Yeah. I mean, can, can you imagine if I thought I thought when they I, I really did think that when when the admiral was reading the name Sylvia Tilly, uh, you know, Paul Stamets, Hugh Culber. Herman Saru. 
I was really hoping we get some of that. Think about how many kelpies there are, and then you have one four letters. Yeah. To to distinguish one, I mean. Well, we've never heard another Sir Kelpian's name. They could all they could all be really lengthy names. That's a good point. It's very good for point. all we know. You know. I don't know. Melvin Saru. <laughs> Mortimer Saru. Or maybe like uh I don't know. I uh, yeah, I I don't know. What do you think it's to Todd? Todd Saru. Todd Saru. Bob Saru. Todd K. Saru. <laughs> Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Brian, what else really struck you in this episode? Um, what they did with Georgiou. Uh, they they kind of let her let her let her cut her in the, to the wind. Cut I mean, her loose. I, I I found that very shocking. I think it's a great setup for her to pop up again next season. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to kill her, and it wouldn't be right to imprison her because she was instrumental in saving the Federation. Yeah, and she didn't really commit any crimes in the Federation. That is very true. She was just mean. You know, I was I was well. Thinking, she punched Tilly. She did punch Tilly in the face, which is a crime. That, to me, that's a crime. Yeah, um, I got this whole vibe from this from from the whole planet Xeon Kronos uh, from um, a video game Mass Effect. I'm familiar with Mass Effect. So Ma- Mass Effect Two, they go to a place called Omega, which is it's just like a like a place is just exactly like that. It's all dark and grimy, yeah. and there's all gambling yeah, and Blade Runner. Yeah, very much like that. But there's this character named uh, Arya Talok, uh, who's voiced by uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Oh. Um, that 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 series has some great voice actors. Yeah, and she's basically uh, uh, what is the line? She, she's basically like like head bitch of Omega, <laughs> and I kind of can see almost see Georgiou kind of like taking over a place like that, starting yeah. starting her empire again in a place like that in a, like a CD location. Right, right. Well, you know that's sort of what Khan did. They put him on a planet, and he's like, I want to, you know, in the original series, it was like he's going to sure. build an empire from there. And there's even the line, I'd love to go back and visit that planet someday. So, yeah, she's not going to go out and, like, start, you know, uh, a soup kitchen. She's going to do something evil because that's who she I is. I think she's going to be, like, a crime boss. Yeah. Which would be kind of cool. Yeah, I feel like probably some season two, episode six or whatever, they're going to be like, oh, to get that thing that we need, we're going to have to go to planet blah, blah, blah and negotiate to get some dilithium crystals. And then... There's Georgiou. There she is. And she's the she's the, the crime lord. Makes perfect sense. I like the music, by the way, when the Orions. It was like vaguely Middle Eastern. Because they're breathing in volcanic ash. It's sort of like like a hookah. Yeah. But not quite. And there's belly dancers, but not quite. So it's like vaguely Middle Eastern music. And uh, again, Giorgio. <laughs> so she's done 
sleeping with the two prostitutes and the dude's like you've taught me so much <laughs> it was great a nice touch so i was like Wait, what exactly did you learn this afternoon i'm just curious so yeah it was a good time and i gotta tell you it really ended up i was a little nervous because i like you know i think if you go back and listen to last week's show you can see it's pretty evident that it wasn't like i disliked it but i felt like it was um it was fine and it was the only episode of the show that i would call fine you know, I think every other episode has been really, really sensational. I think if you if you hook it together with this episode, it makes a much more complete and better overall episode. That's a good point. It was it was born to be a two parter. I mean, I think if you watch if you just watched the first episode, the first hour oh. of of that, I mean, you kind of like okay, yeah. But the se- the second hour pulls all together. You need you needed that second hour. That means that was meant to be a two parter, also. So it's a good note. A good note, Brian. Well, listen, next week's show, as I mentioned. It's going to be an exciting time. We've got uh, Soniqua, who's wonderful, by the way. Uh, she's very sweet. She came in full of energy and joy and was wearing a, an orange skirt. And uh, Anthony Rapp, who's a lot of fun, and then also Matt Myra. So you definitely want to tune in next week for that. And then the week after that, we're going to um, unleash some of the cruise uh, recordings that we took Going back, enough of this new Star Trek. Let's talk about old stuff. So we have some guests from older Star Trek series, a guest from Deep Space Nine and a guest from Voyager. And then after that, we're going to have more. We're going to do um, another book club with yes. Karen Hahn. Haven't read it yet. I have not read it yet. Have it on my um, desk at home. Desperate Measures? Drastic Measures. Drastic Measures. Drastic Measures is Dayton Ward's second prequel which means it's even further in the past than the first prequel novel. Did yes. you know that? Yes, because... Um, Desperate Hours is a year before the Battle of the Binary Stars, and Drastic Measures is prior to... Because Des- it, it mentions that, uh, because we, as we know on the cover is uh, Captain Lorca and Captain Georgiou. Right. Uh, and they mention the, uh, the brand. So obviously... That was destroyed yeah. in the show. Prime Lorca. So, yes, Prime Lorca. Good old, pri- nothing like grilling up some Prime Lorca. But <laughs> Better than Space Whale? The Space Whale looked uh, like tuna steak. Kind of did. Well, well we, we did learn what they used to make it. Yeah, it was sesame or something. Sesame. Uh, they said something about coconut flakes. Coconut or... flakes, yes. Coconut flakes, that's what it is. Coconut flakes and I guess some kind of starchy starch. Um. Yeah, that was funny too. And she's spitting up. I want you know. I'm excited for Mary Wiseman's career. You know, Sonequa Martin Green is is sort of a, and this is she's like ready to like you know she's a leading woman. You know, yes. like she's she's got it down. Like she's gonna her career is gonna be great. You know, like she's gonna be doing this for a while. Um, but she is, and I don't mean to diminish in any way what she does, but she is like a classic leader you know yes action drama you know she's like she's like a classic you know mary wiseman is like i don't know what the hell she comes from she's a very unique performer because she can do she can be strong she's really really funny and um you know she's not going to only do discovery her whole career she's also very young she's got a whole so career ahead of her she's got a whole career ahead of her and uh, who knows what's going to happen. So I, I think that she, I hope she doesn't just do romantic comedies. I hope she does, uh, unless she wants to do romantic comedies. She man. can do That's whatever cool. she wants. That's right. That's right, Brian. 
She can do whatever she wants. You are, after all, essentially irrational. That's Spock to me, telling me to shut up. Anyway, so that's cool. Well, listen, thanks again for listening. Uh, we did it, man. We did the full season. Next week, as I said, we got some guests, and let's take a little time for it to digest and sit because it's still coming at us at warp speed. One season down of Discovery. We did it, folks. We did it, fans. We re we we I don't want to say reboot because that's not the right word. We um relaunched Star Trek on television. We did. We did a we, whole season. It's one big story. It deviates, it goes weird, it goes to tardigrades, it goes to mushroom spores, mirror universes. You got people killed, agony booths. Forget about people it. People are eaten. Landry. Landry got killed twice. She got killed twice. <laughs> Has anyone else been in Star Trek been killed twice? Uh, yeah, the dude who um, Burnham stabbed in the turbo lift. Oh, good point. He got sucked out the airlock and then he got killed by Burnham. Yeah, but who else was killed? Tw- well, you know, in the episode Cause and Effect, they all get killed multiple times in a loop. But no, no. that doesn't count. These these people are actually killed <laughs> twice. Yeah, no, that's a first. <laughs> it's got to be a first. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but it's got to be first. So, fans, we did it. Feel proud. Feel proud of your franchise. If you're a Star Trek versus Star Wars kind of guy, take a look at that Han Solo prequel movie. Look at the hell they got going for them. <laughs> Did you see that trailer? I have seen it, yes. It doesn't look that good, right? Um, I don't know. It's just too early to judge to me. I'm, I'm going to go see it. Of course you're going to see it. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you're not going to see it. I'm just saying it doesn't look that interesting. Well, I mean, there there has been a lot of backlash about The Last Jedi. There are a lot of people that did not like it. I like The Last Jedi. I'm, I'm still. I I need to see it a second time. I've only seen it the one time, so I need to. to you know what process. you need to do to convince yourself that you like the Last Jedi is go online and watch. People have set the fight scene in the throne room, to like, Led Zeppelin. Oh yes, I saw that. That whatnot. was fantastic. So you watch those clips and be yes. like, "Oh, Last Jedi is great." You know, <laughs> look at these fight scenes. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's an exciting time for Star Trek, and there's only more coming. So. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next week. time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.